0: I'd like to tell you three stories, quick stories, true stories about me. And I wonder if you can relate to them. I was eight years of age, and I was invited to a school friend's birthday party. Now back when I was growing up, birthday parties were very different to what they are now. The highlight was normally playing some games, and if the weather was good, outside. And at this party, we were introduced to Blind Man's Buff. Now, for those of you who don't know what it is, it's basically the game of it. But the person who is it has a blindfold put around them, normally a long scarf, triple wound round, tied very tight, and then you have to negotiate your way around the garden and find somebody else, call them out, and then tag them so they're it, and they get the blindfold. It's a very simple premise. So I had my first game, A Blind Man's Buff. And eight-year-old boys can sometimes be very cruel. I couldn't see because the scarf was so tight. And I was calling out and no one was answering. I didn't know the geography of this school friend's garden. And then I found they'd gone inside. So cutting a long story short, I took a step forward and ended up falling into the goldfish bowl. All because I couldn't see. I'm 55 now, and I remember that experience the terror of not being able to see, of nobody responding to me. I'm 11 years of age. I've gone to senior school, and I'm wearing glasses. Not smart designer glasses, but those national health glasses that we used to have. And my eyesight's very poor, so my lenses were very thick. It was the first games lesson. And of course, the athletic, trendy guys had been, been set apart to be captains. And so he lined up against the fence, and they went about picking up their team. Guess who was left to last? Guess who was called? Four Eyes. And was told, you're wearing glasses, you'll be no good. I remember that, 44 years on. And then a couple of weeks ago, I noticed that my vision wasn't as sharp as it's been recently. Probably like you, spending too much time looking at screens during lockdown. So I went to the optician, and yes, my eyesight has deteriorated. What was once fuzzy was now need to be corrected. So I have new contact lenses and glasses. I can now see clearly, and my vision and my enjoyment of the world around me is far improved. We're thinking today about sight, about the importance of sight. John wrote his gospel to help us to understand, to see clearly who Jesus is. Not only to see who Jesus is, but then to come into a relationship with him so we can see others and his world as Jesus sees it and live to make a difference in the rhythm of our everyday. And our reading draws out some of these themes but we need to set the context this is the sixth of jesus's seven signs in john john has picked out six seven particular incidences to reveal something about jesus that he was the son of god that he was the promised messiah and what he would do and what life in his kingdom is like where are we it's a couple of days after a famous jewish festival The festival of the tabernacle what's happened well in the temple courts in jerusalem they've lit some huge bonfires and some huge lamps from very large and expensive menorah so that everyone in jerusalem can see these bright lights that's a feature of the the feast of the tabernacles and immediately afterwards jesus has declared i am the light of the world anyone and everyone who comes to me and follows me they will live in that light and so jesus is now saying i am the light of the world and what day of the week is it it's the sabbath what's special about the sabbath it's a day to rest a day to put down our normally endeavors to be refreshed to relax to be energized to show our love by, to god and allow god to heal us and to restore us so that we can live well in the forthcoming week. What's going on? Jesus' public ministry is in its full swing. He's teaching, he's preaching, he's healing. Crowds are following him. As we've heard recently, he's been performing miracles. And the Pharisees, the religious leaders, are intrigued, then they're opposed, and now they're incensed. What he's doing is threatening them. They see themselves as the custodian of the religious law. They're following it, and Jesus, this poorly educated man from this grotty town, is on their patch. He's drawing people to himself away from them. He's threatening their position in society. He's threatening the status quo. And how can he be the Messiah? He's not the type of person that they were expecting. So they're trying to catch him out. Not only that, John has told us in the preceding chapters they're now trying to kill him. So with that in mind, let's look at the passage. Jesus is walking and teaching with the disciples. And as they go out through the city gates, what do they see? A group of beggars on the floor. Now notice what happens. And we're going to think very briefly about what it is to be blind. We're going to think about the blindnesses that we can have in our lives and how Jesus needs to correct that vision so that we can live with the vision of Jesus to bring his vision into our lives and the lives of others. And we're going to do this by looking at the different groups in this encounter. First of all, the disciples, look back in the passage there. What did they call the blind man? Nothing they didn't see him. They didn't see him as a person. They just saw him as a theological conundrum. There was a view at that time that if you had suffered some misfortune in your life or had some physical or emotional or mental, mental malady, it was because you or a relative have sinned. And sadly, some people can have that point of view today. Notice what Jesus says he says, absolute rubbish, my translation, disciples. There was no sin that has caused this man's illness. We need to understand that we live in a broken world, that people are diagnosed with illnesses, Christians as well, that good news and bad news affects all people in a broken world. God does not judge us by inflicting punishment upon us in our physical, mental, or economic circumstances. Yes, God is holy and just, but he does not judge in the way that the disciples thought. And notice again the disciples. They didn't see the man. Just like when I was that young boy, they just saw a young boy wearing glasses who couldn't be good at football, and so was rejected. They didn't see the man, but Jesus saw the man. Mother Teresa, who devoted her life for taking people off the streets in Calcutta, for taking out the abused and the afflicted and downtrodden, for giving them hospitality, healing, and love in a new life, was once asked by a journalist, Mother Teresa, how can you cope with the sights and the smells, the squalor, and all the the refuge of society that you see? What do you see when you see a beggar on the streets? She turned to the journalist and said, I see a child of God in disguise and need i see jesus needing my love how often when we go about our daily lives do we not see other people we see them as someone to suit our ends a supermarket clerk someone who works at the bank a rail inspector someone who is not a person but a functionary We may even avoid their eye like the big issue seller. But this person is a man or woman, a young person of God who is special and beloved. The very least is that we can acknowledge them. We can smile at them. Perhaps when you go through your your supermarket shop, look at their badge and say, thank you, John. Thank you, Beryl. Let's see people as Jesus sees them. So Jesus saw this blind beggar as a child of God in need. So he went out to him and spoke to him. That was radical. This man was unclean, outside of religious community, dependent upon other people. Jesus went to him, engaged with him, and touched him. And notice what he did. Now, if you know your Bible, you'll know that Jesus healed people in different ways. This way was different. It shows that there is no formula to the way that Jesus interacts with us, apart from love. So he went down, put his hand in the ground, spat on it. What does that take us back to? The book of Genesis, chapter 2, of God healing, God creating humanity out of nothing. And he healed this man and sent him to the pool of Siloam. Jesus saw the man, loved him, engaged with him personally, and sent him on his way we'll come back to that and let's now look at the neighbors of this man when he comes back and he can see what do they say some of them deny that it's the same man they deny that jesus has healed this man how often when we see something that's uncomfortable that's threatening that causes us to rethink something, to change the status quo, and yes, how it affects our understanding of the Christian faith, do we want to deny it, to refuse it, to belittle it, to not engage with it? Psychologists tell us that denial is a form of rejection. And so the question is posed by John to us today. What in our Christian life are we denying? Are we open to see God at work in his church through people in ways that may surprise us, confuse us, and astound us? Let's not deny it. Let's engage with it and see if it's of God and be willing to change as the Spirit may enable. Then let's look at the Pharisees. How do they respond to this man? Again, they don't see him as a person. They see him with hard eyes. They don't see him with a soft heart as Jesus does. They see him as a problem. They need to eradicate this man and Jesus because he threatens them, their position, and the status quo and what life was all about for them. As we read later in the passage, they say, we are the custodians of Moses, so you cannot be right, Jesus. So they call this blind blind man up. And they take him apart, and what do they do? They intimidate him. They try and cajole him. But what does the blind man do? He stands firm in what he knows. Simply, clearly, and honestly, he tells them what has happened. And yet the Pharisees go on and on, wanting to reject and to eradicate this threat. What a contrast to how they deal with him compared to Jesus. And when they can't get their way, what do they do? They throw him out. Quite literally, they throw him out of their presence. They throw him out of community. This man is ostracized and rejected. No one now will have anything to do with him. He's on the rubbish heap. Excluded. And notice how this man's parents have behaved. This man's parents they're called up by the pharisees and they say is this your son yes he is how can he see it is as he says but rather than stand up and speak to that for their beloved son what do they do they say let him speak for himself that's not very affirming of a parent is it why was that because they were afraid They were afraid of the power and influence of the religious leaders. They knew that if they crossed them, life would not be the same. They would be thrown out of the synagogue, and that's more than religious worship. They would then not be able to ply their trade, to have relationships with other people. That was too important to them than standing up for their son and the truth. How often... Are we given an opportunity to speak truth to power? And we choose for convenience, for our own well-being, not to engage with it. There's a challenge here for us. And now let's look at the blind man. Do you see how the blind man represents us? He represents all of humanity. He was blind and could not see. His life was constrained to the contours of his mat, dependent upon others. Yet Jesus, when he came, he welcomed him. Notice how he obeyed what Jesus said and did. He went to the pool of Siloam, no quibbles, no argument, and then came back and then stood firm in what Jesus had done. And notice how his journey in understanding develops. He saw Jesus as a man, as a prophet. And then he sees him as the son of man, and then he finally sees him as the Son of God. Do you see the journey in faith that he goes on till he comes to see Jesus as he truly is? And this blind man is healed in several ways. He's healed physically. He has given sight. This now means he can live his life as he would like. He can go where he wants, do what he wants. He can speak with other people he's restored to religious community, he's no longer ceremonially unclean, he has been culturally restored to community, he has been economically set free, he's now no longer dependent on begging, but can go and make his own way in life, and then he is spiritually healed. When Jesus goes and finds him out, he accepts him as his Lord and Savior. The blind man represents humanity. And there are lessons for us in his journey. Maybe we'd be willing to be obedient, to speak simply and clearly of Jesus when we were asked, and then to worship him as Lord, as Jesus led him to do. And finally, there is Jesus. We've seen how he met with the man, how he contravened and rebuked the incorrect understandings of the world. How he then went and rescued the man who'd been cast out by the Pharisees and led him into a spiritual life, the fullness of life. That is what Jesus does. So as I draw this message to a close, with all the application, I want to leave us with a couple of things to think about. As we journey through our lives, our vision and understanding can change our vision and understanding of Jesus can become a little bit blurry. Just like I had to go to the optician to have my vision restored to fullness, I hope and pray that we will continue to look to Jesus, to be open to him and to his word, and to allow ourselves to have the correct vision of Jesus. And then, like the blind man, to be obedient and live in the fullness of that vision, confident in God's presence by his Spirit, I'm sure that blind man was terrified when the Pharisees were speaking to him. They were interrogating him, but he stood confident in God. God gave him the words and the strength. Whatever it is you and I may be facing, know that God loves you, is with you. And he has healed you and has your best interests at heart. So doubt your doubts, cast out your fears, look to Jesus and be in step with his vision and then see others as Jesus does. Let's be aware of our blind spots. Let's allow others to speak to them. Let's allow the Holy Spirit to tell us, so that we can grow in the character and image of Jesus, and bring his vision of the fullness of life to bear. Because that's the life, life in all its fullness, that Jesus has for us.